Welcome to Quanta Magazine's podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallett. Every year, flocks of tiny white birds embark on an arduous, zigzagging journey from Greenland to Antarctica and then back again. Their flight is more than 44,000 miles. For each of these Arctic turns, that's the equivalent of three or four round trips to the moon over a lifetime. Meanwhile, the dusky grouse, which lives at the edges of forests in mountainous regions of North America, travels only a fraction of a mile between its breeding grounds and its regular habitat. And the great majority of bird species don't migrate at all. Now scientists are studying why, and they might have an answer. A recent study suggests the wild differences in migration patterns and the resulting distribution of bird species around the world reflect the efforts of those species to maintain an optimal energy balance within their competitive environments. The study published last year in the journal Nature Ecology and Evolution makes the argument that energy supply and demand is a driving ecological principle shaping the global structure of biodiversity. That energy is also a powerful tool. Environmental scientists and ecologists can track the use of energy to predict how human activity will rapidly change that global structure. In 1807, naturalist and explorer Alexander von Humboldt noticed something and wrote about it. The nearer we approach the tropics, the greater the increase in the variety of structure, grace of form, and mixture of colors as also in perpetual youth and vigor of organic life. Von Humboldt was among the first in a long line of biologists to note that diversity in plant and animal species, including birds, tends to increase from the poles toward the equator. But despite more than two centuries of observation since then, the mechanism responsible for this well-recognized pattern has continued to elude scientists. There are all sorts of hypotheses as to why. Some suggest because the tropics have enjoyed millennia of greater evolutionary stability, more species have had time to accumulate there, while historic glaciations closer to the poles made regional species go extinct more frequently. Others claim that the warmer temperatures near the equator encourage greater species diversification by allowing more ecological niches to emerge. Anna Rodriguez is a researcher at the University of Montpellier in France and one of the authors of the study in Nature, Ecology, and Evolution. She says it's incredibly difficult to validate one idea over another on a global scale. We only have one planet, right? So most of what we know about these kind of questions of like, why do we have more species in the tropics, for example, is based on hypotheses, which we can't test them directly, we can't test them experimentally. So most of the work before has been correlations, as in there's more sun energy in the tropics and there's more species in the tropics, therefore energy drives diversity. So this is kind of the general simplified way of putting it, but it's difficult to demonstrate that, right? Researchers have either had to confine their direct experiments to specific species or regions, or they had to try to seek wide-ranging correlating evidence without being able to point to definitive causes. The new model in the Nature, Ecology, and Evolution paper takes a major step toward changing that. Rodriguez says they looked at energy on the planet a different way. 
So in this study, we wanted to have something which is not just noticing a pattern of correlation, but we were trying to have a mechanistic model. So something where we start with a virtual world, a world that exists only in a computer, and we make that world function under some rules, and we see what comes out on the other side. This mechanistic model bolsters the hypothesis that energy is the crucial factor that determines the uneven distribution of biodiversity across the planet. That's both how much energy is available in the environment and how much organisms need to expend. Andrew Farnsworth of the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, who wasn't involved in the study, says researchers figured out a way to model the system to make sense of an idea that's been around for a century. And he says it happens to be a reasonably simple model, even if it involves a great deal of computation to execute. Marius Samve is a postdoctoral researcher who led the study at the Max Planck Yale Center for Biodiversity Movement and Global Change. He says bird migration provided the perfect natural experiment for testing the energy idea because birds adjust their global distribution with the changing seasons. They all have the same characteristics, so it's not driven by differences in species. It's just driven by the process of energy efficiency. So it's trying to remove the difference between species to go to the essence of really what makes the global pattern emerge. And you don't need differences between species to make the pattern emerge. If energy considerations drive the distribution of species, then the effects of those energy-based rules should unfold every year as the birds migrate. That's exactly what happened when Samve and his colleagues modeled migrations. They had previously collected data on the global distribution and seasonal migration patterns of the planet's 10,000 known bird species. They knew where species were particularly rich or sparse, and how many species came and went from given regions during the winter or summer. Rodriguez says they wanted to understand the why underlying those patterns, so they turned to computer modeling. So we created this world, which kind of looks a bit like ours, but a simple one, just like continents and temperature changing and productivity changing. And then we threw in virtual species. So kind of we have species which are being added to the world until the world is full, until there's not enough food for everybody else. Each of those simulated species was the same, with a weight, range size, and ecological profile based on averages of real-life bird data. The governing principle was that in this virtual world, each species would operate in the most energy-efficient way and would migrate only if doing so gave it a means to further optimize its energy budget. When each virtual species was added, it had more than a million random scenarios available to it. For example, it could spend the winter in Brazil and the summer in the United States, or the summer in Brazil and the winter in the U.S., or the entire year in Brazil, or the entire year in the U.S., and so on. Rodriguez says the researchers did this for many regions and potential migration paths around the globe. The idea was to create a world which is ruled by energy. So what we had is like the available energy, which is its primary productivity, and then we had species which consume energy. The model took into account the locations of other competing virtual species, Then it dictated that each new species would choose the scenario that allowed it to gain the most energy. At the same time, it would minimize the four energetic costs associated with the species' metabolism, reproduction, thermal regulation, and migration. 
Based on these simple rules, Rodriguez and her colleagues ran their simulation. If you were a bird species and you were alone on the planet, you would go straight in the most productive part of the world, which is somewhere in the Amazon, and you'd just stay there all year round. You'd have a great life, food all year round, everything would be fine, right? And this is what our model shows. In the beginning, as we put in our virtual species, they're almost all in the tropics because it's in the tropics that there's more energy and that's the good place to be. But as we start piling on species, the tropics are not the best place anymore because there's too many species there. And then it starts being a better strategy to be in less productive but still okay areas like, I don't know, in Mexico. But as you keep on piling more species on the world, there are some species where the best strategy is to move. Or migrate seasonally to reduce the competition. Rodriguez says if there's no competition, there's no reason to move or migrate because it costs energy. She compares it to competition in the big city. If you could live next to your job, if all the houses in New York were empty, and if you could have your office next to your where you work, you wouldn't commute, right? You would just put your apartment right next to where you work and just be there. But because you have competition, you have people who buy houses next to where you work and they, the cost of houses goes up. So you move further away to where you have more housing and resources available. Rodriguez says that's what the bird species do, too. Eventually, the virtual world filled up with these species, and the final distribution of virtual species closely resembled the scientists' empirical data about the distribution of real birds today. The model was able to predict migratory behavior with a high degree of accuracy, even highlighting areas where the same number of species came and went. That's a phenomenon in nature that seems unusual because you wouldn't expect species to stay put if there was no net change. But that can now be explained with straightforward energy-related considerations. Here's lead researcher Maria Samve. The birds, they fill the world and distribute in the most energy-efficient way. And migration is a behavior that will help many species to optimize further their energy budget. So that provides like an explanation for why they migrate, why some species migrate and some don't why some species migrate further than others, and why they distribute the way they do across the world. All this is explained by the model. The scientists point out that the process of methodically adding species didn't reflect the actual evolutionary history of birds. Yet this step-by-step way of generating a seasonal distribution pattern still produced something close to what's seen in nature. Samve says that suggests the energy factors are so influential that the observed distribution pattern would probably have emerged even if the history of birds had unfolded differently. Because they fill the world in the most energy-efficient way today, there is no reason to believe they didn't follow this principle and those rules back in the past or in the future. They should do the same. If you have future climates or previous climates, then I should be able to recreate the global seasonal distribution of birds at that time, according to the same principles. One surprise came from looking at the amounts of energy the virtual species invested in metabolism, reproduction, thermal regulation, and migration. Within the simulation, those values all emerged spontaneously as optimum solutions for the species. Yet Rodriguez says a comparison to the scientific literature revealed that they were also very close to the observed average values for those activities in nature. This virtual world with very simple rules managed to reproduce the properties, the the patterns that you could see in the real world, which kind of supports our hypothesis that these energetic rules we put were in the right direction, that they might be the rules that explain why the real birds move the way they move.
The variation among migration systems, like those of the Arctic tern and dusky grouse, starts making a lot more sense in the context of this work. Andrew Farnsworth of the Cornell Lab of Ornithology says it might not seem rational that birds will travel thousands of kilometers each way to migrate, but he says that taxing journey is actually energetically favorable on a bigger scale. One more thing further cemented the team's discovery. They made the energy balance for the virtual birds less optimal. That is, they made the birds only maximize their acquisition of energy or only minimize their energy expenditures or made them perform a random combination of the two rather than doing both at once. If they did that, then the distribution patterns in the simulation didn't match the natural patterns as well. Of course, the model in this experiment has its limitations, just as any model based on simplified assumptions does. The researchers point out the full virtual world contained fewer bird species than the actual world does. Plus, the patterns weren't as accurate for certain types of regions, especially mountainous ones like the Andes or Himalayas. The researchers say that's probably because in those kinds of settings, factors like topography or speciation rates play a more defining role in the variation that happens. In general, that may mean that on a global scale, energy efficiency alone is enough to explain the distribution of species. But when you zoom in on a particular place or a subgroup of species, other processes might become much more influential at the local level. And sure, the model suggests that evolution favored birds that were energetically efficient in their choices, but it doesn't offer details about how they might have arrived at their optimal solutions, either globally or regionally. That caveat aside, the researchers want to use their model to gain new insights about both the past and the future. Samve says scientists have already seen signs of changing migration patterns because of us. Humans, they alter the environment by modifying the climate, but also modifying the distribution of energy across the world. Because, for example, they would convert a forest into an agricultural field, and that would change the energy distribution of the environment. Or they would cut an ecosystem to create a city, for example, that changed the environment as well in terms of the energy distribution. Samve says that changes the migration patterns of birds and other species. So, for example, white storks, a lot of them stopped migrating to stay around landfills in Portugal and Spain. And so they stay there because there is energy available, availability, so food, year-round, provided by humans in open landfills. And so they stay there and they don't migrate anymore. They don't need to migrate because there is enough food to support them year-round. With the new migration model, the researchers can update the underlying energy or temperature map to forecast what could happen next. Samve plans on doing something similar to reconstruct the history of global migration systems as well by assessing what patterns might have looked like during ice ages and other time periods. Researcher Anna Rodriguez says marine mammals, fish, Insects and other types of animals are also fair game for future research. Everything which can move probably has some level of migration. For example, mice can move, they can walk, but they cannot fly, so they can't make big migrations. But for example, moose can make big migrations. Whales can make big migrations. So depending on the costs of moving itself, different organisms will have more or less migration. 
but we think the same principle, the same general idea that it's a response to seasonality, it's a response to surplus of resources that appear and disappear, that different organisms can use to, different organisms move to exploit those resources. Rodriguez hopes that as researchers collect tracking data for a wider range of animals, she can confirm whether the model works for them. Samve also wants to scale down the model to determine whether it can explain the redistribution of individuals within a species. That would be far more informative for making predictions to aid conservation. At the moment, it's global patterns, so it's mostly sort of global understanding. It's hard to design a specific conservation action based on global patterns. In the meantime, though, the global model developed by Samve and his team has created a firm place for energy in our understanding of trends in biodiversity. Michelle Yoon helped with this episode. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Jordana Sapelowicz's full article, A Thermodynamic Answer to Why Birds Migrate, on our website, quantamagazine.org. Also, the MIT Press has published two quanta books, Alice and Bob Meet the Wall of Fire and The Prime Number Conspiracy. They're available now at amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com, or your local bookstore. Mm-hmm.